Hey, this is Byron, and I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Church. Thanks for listening to our weekly sermon podcast. I hope this message blesses you, encourages you, and helps you experience life change through Jesus. For more sermons like this, blogs, resources, or opportunities to get connected, visit us at www.redemptiontx.com. Good morning, Redemption. How y'all doing? My name's Kendall Revis, and uh, such an honor to be here with you today. Pastor Byron invited me to come and share with you guys. Uh, I've been to Redemption a couple of times. You might remember or, or not, but uh, I'll try not to tell the same stories or, or the same dumb jokes. Uh, but if I do, just forgive me. Um, I bring greetings to you from my wife and, and kids. We have uh, my wife, Christy. We have uh, two sons and two daughters. Uh, we live in Houston. I didn't bring them this morning, but they just uh, want to say hello to you guys. Um, I, I want to share with you just a little bit about our ministry so you know who we are, just give you some context. You know, God opened the door uh, for us to go into full-time ministry back in, in 1997, and and uh, we were able to go uh, to Honduras as missionaries. We spent uh, two years there. Uh, my wife is a nurse, so uh, we did medical ministry, worked with a doctor and a dentist, and I did some training uh, in small group ministry there. While we were in Honduras, God began to speak to our hearts about the next leg of our journey. That happens when you obey God. A lot of times he then gives you the next assignment. And so we were uh, then able to go to the Netherlands for seven years. So we went to Europe and we're part of planning a church in the Netherlands called the International Church of Leiden. Uh, it, was, it was a great time, and thank God that church is still ministering today. After our time in the Netherlands, God moved us to Spain. And by this time, my, my kids are saying, Dad, do we have to learn another language again? Come on. And uh, so we spent two years in Spain working with some church planners there. And then God called us home in 2011. And my kids had to learn another language called Texan, right? Whenever they moved back, my kids had British accents. They didn't know what was going on, you know, from being in Europe. But uh, we came back here and we were asked to, to serve church planners here in South Texas. Uh, I, I moved from our, our world missions to the Assemblies of God U.S. missions. And so I'm, I'm, I'm a missionary. And um, what I do, my focus is... Uh, on church planners that I consult, train, and network church planners as they're going and starting a church. So, for example, I got to sit down with Byron a number of years ago before this church existed, and we talked about the strategy and what was going to go on and how this all uh, came together. And so God opened those doors. And and uh, one of the, the tools we've been using lately to uh, minister to church planners is uh, I've had a series of roundtables. So we will do a church planning roundtable. We'll do that. I've done it in the Houston area, in the San Antonio area. And we just bring uh, some veteran church planners together, some new church planners. We help them uh, get to know one another. We provide them some uh, some practical teaching and just bless them and encourage them. And, and I want to thank you for being a part of that because uh, because you invest in our ministry every month, your church invests in our ministry, we were able to go and do that. And we couldn't do that if you didn't make it possible. So on behalf of all those church planners, I want to thank you. My heart is that no church planner walks alone because it can be sometimes a lonely journey when you're starting something new. And, 
And, and, and so we don't want the uh, church planner to feel like they're alone and, and God's helping us, uh, to, to help them. Another new ministry opportunity that's just opened up that I want to share with you about is called Dwell. It's a new initiative, uh, that we've begun, uh, to reach out to those and help those, support those who are multiplying disciples in the hard places in America. And so this is a, a, a nationwide initiative. Uh, and you might say, well, what are the hard places? What do you mean by the hard places? Well, we, we have kind of two criteria that we use for determining what's, what we would consider a hard place. Uh, one is like the receptivity to the gospel, which in some communities, it's actually a resistance to the gospel. You understand there's some places we go where people might be a little more open to the gospel than others. Uh, for example, I, 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 we live in Texas and when I moved from Texas to New England, I tell people, first of all, that was my first cross-cultural experience, right? It was a foreign culture up there. But, but uh, I, I learned that it, it was harder ground up there. It was harder. I have a, I have a, a friend who's going to plant in, in Seattle, Washington, and, and I believe it's going to be harder to start a church in Seattle than maybe it would be in, in Texas. Or um, if we even look here uh, around us, there are some communities, maybe a rural community might be open to, to the gospel, open to a church, whereas if I were to go try to plant a church in Austin, it might be a little more difficult. So I'm not saying that any place is easy for ministry. I'm, I, I'm not trying to disrespect because ministry can be difficult wherever you go. And there is an enemy that's working against us that doesn't want us to survive. But, but um, there are some places that, that we realize need some extra support. Uh, and, and so that, that, that's part of it is the receptivity. The other side of it is sustainability. Some, some places it is just harder to sustain a new work. Um, because of finances, maybe if, for example, if I were starting in a, in a suburban community, I can pretty quickly, uh, build a, a, a church or a ministry that, that can become self-sustaining. But maybe if I'm in a rural community where everyone is living below the poverty line, that that can be more difficult. So, so those are the things that we look at when we're talking about a hard place. And so God has, has just put this on our heart to start dwell. We call it dwell because it's about presence. And the Bible says that Jesus came and he dwelt among us. And so that is where we, 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 we took the name from dwell. And, and so I'm, I'm like a kind of the project leader. This wasn't my initiative. I didn't start it. My, my uh, supervisor in, in the Symbols of God U.S. Missions, it was her vision. But I've come alongside her to help her. And God is expanding and growing this. We just had our first uh, orientation this month. And we had eight projects that were represented there. Four of those projects are, are veteran ministry projects that are already rolling uh, in Boston, in St. Louis, in New Orleans, in San Antonio, and then four new projects are uh, starting out in Houston, in, uh, in New England, up in uh, Portland, Maine, out in Seattle, Washington, and Boulder, Colorado. 
And just so you know what some of these guys are doing, for example, the guys out in San Antonio, their ministry is called Agora Ministries, and they have a ministry center out there where they're in the west side of San Antonio, which is, is kind of... Uh, an inner city feel and they have a community center that they're doing youth ministry children's ministry out of they do a feeding program they have services around that feeding program every every other week and uh, they're just doing community development there now if you go from there over to my buddy in new orleans he uh his ministry is focused on violent areas and so he goes into places where there's violence and crime and he's begun to do some restoration and, and, and ministry there to the point where the government, the city came to him and said, this neighborhood is better off since you've been here. There is less crime reported in this neighborhood now that you guys are working here. And so that's, that's a hard place where somebody's making a difference. And I thank God for Robert and what he's doing out there. We also, uh, th- this new, new ministry out in, uh, in Houston, it's in Cloverleaf area, the east side of Houston. They're going to be, they, they want to start a soccer team for these kids. It's kind of a uh, economically challenged area. And, and these kids, they want to give them the opportunity. They want to use something very practical and fun to, to reach out to people and connect with the community. So that's a little bit of your investment in us and our ministry, that's what we're able to do. So everything I just told you, Redemption, you're a part of that. And I, I thank you for your investment in our ministry. All right, God bless you, man. Give yourself a hand. Now, before we get into the word, we're going to look at the word in a minute, but I, I wanted to just tell you, I want to give you three reasons why we plant churches. And um, these aren't the only three reasons. There's a lot of reasons, but people might say to you sometime, why do we need another church? And I think it's good to have, have, have a couple of answers in your pocket for that. Number one, I truly believe that new churches win new people to Jesus. A new church can best reach the unchurched. And there's been studies done, so there's like statistics behind this, that um, 60 to 80% of new members in a church plant come from those who are currently unchurched or not involved in, in worshiping somewhere. They're either disengaged or, or unchurched. Um, now, that number, when you get to a church 10 to 15 years or more established and longer, then the new members coming into that church are, are 80 to 90% are, are, are transferring from somewhere else. Now, there are good reasons sometimes to switch churches, right? Like if I move, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find a new church because I moved. Or maybe... If you're in a church and you get hurt, you know, that, that it might be toxic for you to stay there and you need to go somewhere else. And that's 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 a good reason to move. Or or it might be that a church is grow, churches are growing and dynamic and and it just the vision might grow and evolve and it might not you might need to find a new place and that's okay. So there's no judgment here. But our big goal in planning new churches is that new people are in the kingdom of God. We want to grow the big C church that, that of all the people that are worshiping in our city or our, our nation or around the world, that's our goal. And so that's why we plant new churches to see new people part of the kingdom of God. Now, another reason that I believe we, what happens when we plant new churches and, and a reason to do it is that it raises the spiritual water level. What I mean, 
Well, when the water level goes up, all the boats, they all go up, right? They all rise together. And if we, if we think of like all the churches and, and communities of faith here, when, when God begins to do something in our church or in another church, that raises the spiritual water level in our community. And so new churches can bless the whole community. And so when another church, when something is going on good there, you cheer them on. You, you bless them. You say, thank God that God's doing that there because he's blessing you and he's blessing your community. And there's a, there, so we see the spiritual water level rise up as we plant new churches. And then, and then finally, um, I believe that new churches give space for new creative ideas and creative leaders that we can begin uh, to see new things. See, when you start something new, you might not have the stability and the sustainability of an established church, but you also don't have all the rules. You're creating a new culture. You have freedom to experiment and try some new things. And so uh, when we start a new church, it, it creates some new space to do some things creatively and it also brings in new leaders and so when we do something in a new church it actually can help challenge the body of Christ across the community for example if your church does let's say social social media really well well when you do that well there might be another established church that wasn't doing that and they see what you're doing, they see how you're connecting with people, how you're ministering to people, and they're gonna get better in that because you were like the laboratory for them. You, they got to see it. So God uses that. So there's some probably creative things that you're doing here in Redemption that might be a blessing to some other people in the kingdom of God. That's another reason why we plant churches. Now that's only three reasons. If you need some more, we can come up with some more for you. But... Uh, just as somebody says, why do we need another church? At least you got a couple off the top of your head. Okay, we're going to look at Isaiah 61 this morning, guys. Now, this is my third time to speak to you, Redemption. This is my third time to, to be in this church. And I've seen you grow from a, from a new church plant and, and, and a baby church to where now you're a young, healthy, vibrant, growing church. And God bless you. That's such... Uh, it's such an encouragement to me to see what God is doing here and doing among you. And I believe that you're not done church planning. Like this was just mission one. But I believe God has more churches in 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 you. And, and, and I believe that you're going to give birth to, to new churches. And so today, while we look at the scripture about church planning, I hope you'll be open, open in your heart that God might be calling you to be part of another church that redemption plants one day. And, and, and I believe he's, he's speaking to people. I believe there are people already in your church who know that they have a calling to plant again, and, and God's going to do that. So it might be as a leader of initiative, it might be as a team member helping to start something out. But even if you're never called to plant a church, I still want you to listen today because I think that God has some things for you today because he can, number one, he can teach you how to pray for church plants. He can teach you how to pray for those who are starting new works. He also might show you something that, hey, we need to do this in our church here. We, I need to bring that back into redemption. Maybe there's something that God shows you today that fits here. 
Or finally, it just might be something that he wants to do in your life. That's the power of God and the power of his word. That as we study his word, the Holy Spirit can speak to you about something that he wants to do in your life. So when we went to the Netherlands to plant the International Church of Leiden, our, our team leader, uh, God, God gave him a scripture that was really became one of our foundation scriptures. It was this Isaiah 61 passage. And, and so I want to share it with you this morning. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Father God, we thank you for your word today. And I pray, Lord, in these next few moments that you will speak to our hearts from your word, not my words, but your word, Father God. Use it today to edify us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So first of all, guys, when we talk about church planting, we must remember that it is a spiritual exercise. It says the spirit of the sovereign Lord. It starts with the spirit. Church planning is a spiritual exercise. Now certainly when we go to plant a church, we're gonna study the demographics of, a, of an area. We're gonna get to know the community. We're gonna get to know the people and what do they need and how do they think and how do they speak and what are they about, right? That's important. We, we also, we want to have a cool logo, you know, and, and we want like a website that people might look at and not cringe and say, yeah, that's, uh, that, that works. Let's go there. We, we want to be relevant and connect with people. You know, it's good to have lights and, and to have some smoke. You know, church plants are actually better if you have smoke, okay? Did y'all know that? That's real. That's important. Uh, and good coffee. That's even more important. We were in the Netherlands. We tried to plant our church without coffee there. And the Dutch people let us know, you cannot plant a church without coffee and maybe some cookies. So, but here, I think donuts, right? Or kolaches, what, you know, those are important things for a church plant. And you can uh, have all those things. But at the end of the day, a good marketing plan is not what makes a successful church. Redemption Church is not here because of a great plan that Byron and I cooked up, right? It's because, why? It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Unless the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, a church plan is gonna go no further than my energy and my ability. Now, there's some people who are very talented and they can drag it a long way. But at the end of the day, for us to see true success and see all that God wants to do in our church and our church plant, it has to be because the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on us and in it and working and making it happen. The spirit is the one that initiates. It is God that calls us to plant new churches. God is the one that must begin it. 
Now, I tell people this because I work, I've been working like since 2011 here with, with folks who are planting churches. And you can have a great plan. You can have a lot of money. You can have the perfect venue. You can even have the formation of a team. But if you do not have someone who is called of God to plant that church that says, I'm going to plant this church or I'm going to die. I got to plant this church. I don't believe it's going to happen without the church planner. You see, the church planner is key. It's what I call the lightning rod. It's like there's all this energy, there's all these things, but the lightning rod is what focuses and brings it all down to the ground. And that's what we need, that God, when he calls someone and they step, they step out and they, they say yes to the calling of God and they, they obey, then he can begin to, to move all these things on their behalf and into the place it needs to be. Redemption Church, you've seen God do some things on your behalf. But I don't believe if there hadn't been somebody here saying, we need to plant a church here, and somebody fighting for that and pushing for that, someone called to do that, it wouldn't have happened. And I believe that Byron and Ashley are called. Would you agree with me that they're called? Like, like Byron, like if, if, if he didn't plant this church, he was going to drive Ashley nuts, right? I, I mean, he was called to plant this church. He was hungry. It had been burning in him for quite a while. I met him on the street in Houston. We were in front of a, there was a, a, a church called Village, Village Houston that was being planted, and Byron was on the launch team of that. And it was so fun because he walked up, my God, like, this is exactly the guy you guys need. For, like, I met him, and it was like, we hit it off, and I just knew there's something special, and, 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 and this guy is called. And you know, Byron, he was here, and then he went up to New York, and they worked, they, they worked on a, a church plant up there, and God's brought him back here, and and. Uh, Ethan and I were talking about just full circle that uh, God brought Byron right back to where he used to be a knucklehead and do some stuff, you know, like he was running from God and God brought him back to that place to say, okay, you know how you were running from God? There's some other people here that are running from him and you come back and, 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 and bring Jesus. And so God brought him right back here and this, this church plant is a result of that, of their calling and their commitment to that. And I, I want to just publicly recognize and thank God for what he did through them. And I thank you for getting a hold of their vision and coming behind that and being part of it because you are what God wanted to do here. Not just what, what he did through Byron Ashley, but you are what God wanted to do here in Beaumont. And, and it's making a difference. So thank God. Thank God. Now, along with this calling comes the anointing. It says the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news. So there is a, a calling and then there's an anointing. The calling is when God speaks to your heart. The anointing is his resource to do what he's called you to do. You see, when God calls you, then he gives you the resource to do it. Now, when we talk about anointing, you might say, what is anointing? Like, well, for example, there are people anointed to be greeters. They're wired to be greeters. Now, there's some grumpy folks. You do not want them to be the, the welcome team at your church, right? You know? But my daughter, like, she has this smile. She's enthusiastic. She's going to make you feel welcome and be a part. I'm not so good. But she's really good at that. God has anointed her. What about the people who are anointed to pray? 
Y'all have some prayer warriors in this church, right? And they're anointed to pray and they're going to lean into it and they're going to pray. And, and, you know, we would call it stubbornness in another, in another sense, but they, they're going to, they're not going to listen to, to the reality or, or, or the circumstances. They're going to pray what they believe God is saying and wants to do in the situation, even if they don't see it. That's an anointing to pray. That's an anointing of faith to pray. My mother-in-law is like this. She, she, she gets a hold of God and what he wants to do, and she, she's going to bug him to death. God's like, okay, okay, come on, yeah. Because like, she's, she's just going to go after it. That's an anointing. That's an anointing in operation. And, and there, there's people who are anointed to give, who want to resource the kingdom of God. My, my, my folks, they were here in the first service. They slipped in to hear, hear their little boy uh, speak. So it was kind of cool. But I, I brag on them because I got to watch them up close, their generosity through the years. God called them when, when, they, were, when they were young. They made a commitment as a couple that they were going to give the first tenth of their income to the church, to their tithe, and, and be faithful to that. But then they, then they took on a challenge of let's give another tenth to missions and ministry. And so they discipline themselves to live on 80% of their income and, and bless. And, and, and my dad said, you know, I didn't have great jobs when that started, but as I was faithful, God blessed me and he gave me some more. And I was faithful with that and he gave me some more. And I was faithful with that. And so through the years, I got to watch my dad just resource. And my mom, they resource the kingdom of God. And so there's, that's an anointing that they have. Not everybody's called to do that, but they had an anointing to do that. So my point is that those he calls, God anoints. If he's called you to something, don't sweat all the details. Yes, prepare yourself. Yes, learn all you can. But there is an anointing that comes that follows the calling. And it's God's anointing that allows us to share the gospel. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news. You see, God must open the door of people's hearts. I don't believe you can argue somebody into heaven. Now, I thank God for people who are apologists and they know know the word, they know doctrine and they know how to explain it and they, they can debate real well. But at the end of the day, if God doesn't move someone's heart, They're not going to change. There'll be no lasting change. We can't just mentally change them. It is a heart change. Let me tell you about one of the churches that that we planted. There was a guy, uh, he he was a gangbanger, he told me. And he he was into some mess and did a lot of things. but, But God got him out of that, got saved. He and his wife felt called to plant a church in a nearby community to where he had done all his nonsense. And when they went out there, and they started planting this church. He said there was a drug dealer in the community that, that, that came up and, and, and began to talk to him. And he said, man, you used to be over here and doing this stuff. He said, yeah, that was me. But there's what God's done in my life. And so through this relationship and through my pastor friend sharing the gospel with him and just proclaiming the good news and sharing his testimony and loving on this guy. Now this drug dealer has stopped dealing drugs. He and his family are a part of this church. You guys have a part in that because our ministry is a part of that. So thank God that God opened the door. We proclaim the good news, but God has to open their heart. And it is an anointing that God opens the door 
And uh, these guys are, are, are following Jesus because they've opened their heart to him now. It says that we proclaim the good news to the poor. Now, that doesn't mean we plant churches only for those who are economically challenged. When it says the poor, I think there's something more it means there. Because no matter what your bank account looks like, you can be spiritually poor. You can be spiritually bankrupt. There's some folks that are, you know, they're praying and they feel like their prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling. And, and maybe you've been there like, like your family is struggling and your kids are struggling and, 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 and your family's falling apart. Maybe, maybe, you know, you've tried to do it in your own strength and you just have no more. Or, or people that you trust lied to you and you're just broken. You're spiritually poor and you need Jesus to do what only Jesus can do. So when we preach the gospel to the poor, it's not only, it's, we're not talking about finances there. We're talking about spiritually broken. And if you're looking for someone to minister to, the best place to start is with the brokenhearted. And, and here's something cool. I, I imagine most of us in this room have experienced heartbreak in some way or another. Not like a country song or maybe like a country song. I don't know. But we've experienced heartache, right? We've experienced problems. We've experienced struggles. But you know what God does? He takes that and that, if he's brought you through that and he's healed you and he's delivered you from that, now you can take that hurt and that scar and that heartache and now that qualifies you to even better minister to people who are going through the same thing because you say, yeah, I've been there. I know what that feels like. Or I've experienced something similar. I haven't done exactly that. But here's what God saw me through. And that's how God does. He'll take your pain and he'll turn it around for his kingdom. So your pain is not without a purpose. Take your pain and say, Jesus, get me through this and then help me use it to help someone else. Because you can identify with them. And then we're not called just to leave folks in their pain, but... It says, he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. That's healing. What if your church was known as a place of healing? What if this church, people know, you can go to redemption and, and, and you can find healing there. Not only for maybe a physical illness, but your emotional, your spiritual hurt. This is a place, what, what if this becomes a place of healing? I believe it is. You know, sometimes people need a place to just go sit and heal. They might be here and they, you might think, are they getting anything out of this? Are they even understanding this sermon? They might not be. But they might just be sitting here needing someone to love on them and forgive them and not to judge them and tell them, hey, God loves you and we're going to get through this. It's okay. This is a safe place for you to come and, and, and find healing. We want to plant churches that are places of healing. And just as we're trying to provide that healing, we're also called to proclaim freedom. What does it say? Proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. We want to plant churches that proclaim freedom. You know, some people are bound by some chains. There's some addiction, there's some guilt, there might be some bitterness or unforgiveness or pride, or I don't know, there's a hundred things it could be. 
But those things are like chains that they're dragging as they come in, as they go along. And we're called to be a church, to be a people of healing and proclaiming freedom and release. We're here to help people get free of that stuff. I believe that your church proclaims freedom. And I know that there might be some people who came in this morning and you say, you know what? I got some of those chains this morning. Just being honest between you and God, I know I'm carrying some stuff. And I want to encourage you, don't leave here today dragging those chains. That there's freedom. And that's one reason we come together. It's not just to, it's not just to sing. It's not, those are all, we worship we hear the word, but it's also to find freedom. And I want to I invite you, after the service, after we do communion, there are going to be people up here to pray with you. So if you came in dragging a chain, why don't you spend some time, talk to someone about it, let them pray with you so you can find some release. Don't go home carrying it again. Just, just, just leave it with, with Christ here. And you know what you also, you guys know this, that Healing doesn't only happen in these four walls. You are the church. You are redemption. And where you walk and where you go, that's where redemption goes. And the people who need this release, who need this freedom, who need this healing, they might not show up here. When I was in the Netherlands, I remember uh, there were there were some kids that I, I saw that were skateboarding. And, you know, uh, they were being pretty loud, obnoxious, and and God, in my heart, I, I said, God, how do we reach them with the gospel? Because I realized no matter how good our music was or how cool I thought our church was or all the work we did to make our Sunday morning great, these guys were never going to show up there. And so I said, God, how do I bring the gospel to them? And the, the idea, it was a God idea, but we, we ended up actually shooting video of these guys and making DVDs and we put a gospel message and we gave it back to them and it went through that community. So that's what God wants us to do is to proclaim this freedom out there. So you come in here and you get loaded up with some freedom and then you're, you're, you're going to carry it out to where people need that. It says that we're called to proclaim freedom and release from the darkness. What do you think of when you hear release from darkness? Sounds like a movie, doesn't it? Like kind of spooky or super spiritual. Release from darkness. So I believe in the light and I believe there's a darkness fighting against us. I, I understand those spiritual aspects, but sometimes we can get like too spooky with it. I, I, I just want to encourage you. A good place to start releasing people from darkness is with the word of God. If we can just know what God has to say about a situation, that can release us from a lot of darkness. And you're going to hear some nonsense in this world, and it might sound good. Like, people are, are very good at their arguments, right? And, and you're going to hear this, and it's like, oh, that sounds kind of right. Is that the way it is? But this is why we want to know the Word of God. Because, see, the truth of the word of God sets us free. If I know what God has to say about the matter, it's going to help me to navigate all the nonsense that's out there. And, and so we need to learn the word of God. We need to study it. And, 
I was I was sharing in the first service. Um, I personally, I I I use my Bible app, right? Because now it'll read to me. <laughs> like I can I can be driving along and and so like I want to teach my kids the Bible too. And it's so hard to sit down and have a a devotion. And so, uh, man, I got them hostage on the way to school. Like there's 30 minutes they can't get away from me. Y'all take your earbuds out. And I put on, and we listen to a couple chapters, and sometimes we talk about it, and sometimes they don't want to talk much, but I know they're sitting in it, and, and they're getting it. And, and, and this is what God wants us to do, is we learn the word so we can see release from the darkness. And you know what? When you know the word, you can also pray the word. And we pray the word, like you might not know how to pray for a situation, but you find what God has to say about that, and pray his word. You don't have to get fancy. Like, if you don't know it off the top of your head, look it up, read it, and then pray it. God uses that. He uses that to release people from darkness. Now, let's push on through and see the the last proclamations that we're to do. It says, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God. Jesus is coming back to this earth. He promised us that. He's, he's coming back for salvation from our sin. That's the favor we have, the healing, the freedom, all these things I've been talking about, that, that's all the favor of God that we are called to proclaim. And I believe and I want our tone to be a tone of freedom and joy and forgiveness and the favor of God. They say it's easier to catch the flies like with the honey, right? So we, we, want, we want to tell people about the good things of God. And that's what we're doing. It's the year of the Lord's favor. However, we must remember there is a day of vengeance. There is a day of judgment. And we got to remember that. Now, I thank God that the favor is like longer than the judgment and vengeance, right? It's like a year of favor and a, just a day. Like we can take care of the judgment stuff like in that long, right? So we need to have balance and just remember. And, and, and so my message to people isn't all judgment and vengeance and bloom and hate and, and anger. But we do know that we have to have balance. It's a balance between grace and, for, and forgive the grace and, and, and the judgment and the mercy and the vengeance. There's a balance. And so we need to, I, I think we can express that stuff best when we're in relationship with someone. If somebody knows my heart, I can speak the truth a lot easier in love uh, and, and they'll accept it if they know me. If they don't know me and I'm just hitting them over the head with it, they're, 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 they might not receive it real well. But that's part of what we're called. We proclaim favor, and we also share people there is, a, there is a day. There is a day of judgment. And that's what God has called us to do. And we're planting churches that are balanced that way. We're also called to comfort those who mourn and those who grieve. We want our churches that we plant to be places of comfort. What if redemption was known as a place of comfort you know, there, people might not be open to a lot of spiritual things sometimes. They might not want to talk to you about Jesus. And that's okay. You don't have to stick it down the throat. But when they go through a day of trouble and loss and pain, 
Think about two years ago when the, when the flood, when the city was flooded out. I think people who might not have been open to God were a little bit more open in thinking about things and might have received a little more. And they might have received a prayer for them or they might have received your help in the name of Jesus. See, God uses that as a time to comfort those who are mourning, those who are in tears. And people suffer loss all the time, not only when there's a natural disaster, but people suffer loss every day. Different somebody maybe that you're, you're coming across is, is suffering loss. But God will use that pain and use that chance for you to minister to them and to comfort those who mourn. You know, sometimes comfort doesn't mean you're fixing it. It just means you're walking alongside him saying, you know, God loves you. I can't explain why you just went through this heartache, but God loves you. He's, I, he's, bring, he's brought me through some hard times, and I believe one way or another, he will bring you through this. He'll give you strength. And here's the beautiful thing, is that God doesn't stop at just comforting us. He's a God of restoration. What does it say? He bestows on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. It says the oil of joy instead of mourning. The garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. God just doesn't take the bad away. He fills it up with the good stuff and he restores us. That's what redemption is about is that God brings us back to him and he restores us. He restores us. So the loss that you've experienced, the pain you felt, God turns it around and he gives back to you. And this is the message we want to share with our neighbors, our friends, our co-workers. And here's what God wants to do. He wants to take those of us who have been hurt and in bondage and mourning or in despair. And what does it say? It says, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. He wants to make you an oak of righteousness out of your brokenness. He wants to show his glory, his splendor, and his majesty. He wants to put you on display. He takes us all beat up. He heals us. He restores us. He brings us back. And then he says, look, look what I did. Look what I did in their life. And he wants to show you off. And he wants to brag on you. He wants to redeem you, and he wants to write your comeback story. Are there any comeback stories in the room here? God's done a comeback in your life, and he wants to use that to encourage other people because your story is important, because it gives someone else hope that they can be restored to. Redemption, I thank God that you're here. I thank God that not just you're here this morning, but that you're connected to this work and what God's doing. I thank you for supporting the vision and calling of Byron and Ashley and the people that have gathered around them and all of you who have been working this time to establish what's going on here. I thank you for being a part of that. And I believe that you are a planting of the Lord. God did this. Not Byron, not Ashley, not Ethan, not anybody else. God did this through all of you. God did this. A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And he wants to show you off, not for anyone's glory, but for his glory, to show what he can do and to give us hope. And I believe that because you're here, people are experiencing healing and comfort 
and freedom and restoration. So thank you for being a part of this. Thank you for stepping into what God's doing here in Beaumont. I'd like to end with a word of prayer. You guys stand up. Because see, I believe some folks maybe have come here today and we talked about they're dragging a chain. There might be something that you came today and it's challenging you. And maybe you need to get your life right with Jesus. And I don't want to say just wait until after and find someone. I'd like to take a moment if we can and just bow your heads and I'm going to lead us in a prayer here in a minute. But if God is speaking to your heart and you're like, you know, I need to get my life right with God. If that's you, I'd like you to just slip up your hand. I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but you could slip up your hand and that way I can know that I'm praying for you when we say this prayer together. Thank you. I see that. God bless you. God bless you. I see that hand. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I see those hands. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, You know every heart. You see every hand, Lord. You know what's going on. I thank you for your redemption, Lord God, that this is a place of redemption where you're coming, Lord God, and that people are going to reconnect with you. Lord, you know these hearts. You know the humility that says, I don't got it all together. I want to get things right. I pray that right now, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit, as they've taken that step of obedience, that step of response, I pray that you would come and meet them where they're at right now, Lord God. I pray that they would, those chains would be loosed, Lord, that they would, that that sin would be left behind and that they would be reconciled to you right now in the name of Jesus. I pray that they can go from here and know, Lord, that you've done a work in their life today. I pray, Lord God, God, as they come and as we take this communion together, Lord God, that we can be restored to you and we do it in remembrance of you. I thank you, God, for what you're doing. Touch each heart. May this be a place of comfort and restoration, proclaiming freedom. I speak freedom. I speak freedom in the name of Jesus over every heart. God, freedom. Lord, if someone is bound up with sin, I speak freedom. If their finances are putting them in a bind, we speak freedom in the name of Jesus. If if a marriage is, is under attack, I speak freedom in the name of Jesus over that marriage. Lord, if there's any other thing coming against your truth, we speak freedom in the name of Jesus. Well, thanks again for tuning in with us here at Redemption Church. If this message was helpful to you in any way, leave a review, like, comment, or share with your friends to help others experience life change through Jesus. Oh.